Cheskel chapter 33. So we finished the prophecies about the nations. And now we come back to chapter 33. And chapter 33 begins by a charge to Yechezkel, Ben Adam, Taber Bnei Amchav Yomartarehem, Eretz Kiyovi Olecherev, V'lachu Ma'aretz Ishechad Miktehem V'nadnu Otorahem L'tzofet. Speak the following to your countrymen and say to them, When I bring a sword against a country, the citizens of that country take one of their number and appoint them their watchman. The watchman is a tzofet. That Yechezkel is a watchman we have in the beginning of Yechezkel. He's called a tzofet. But it's emphasized very much in the first several verses of chapter 33. And the watchman, the job of the watchman, is v'ra'at ha'cherev ba'aretz v'takaba shofar v'ziretam. So there's an army, an invading army, the sword, which is coming to attack the land. Then the tzofer sounds the shofar to warn everybody. And now the chapter continues that if the person, if the people who hear the shofar, the alarm, pay no attention, they're not careful, if the sword comes, then the one who paid no heed, his blood is on his own head. He heard the shofar, paid no attention, his own fault, Tomobo. It's his fault. Blood's on his head. However, in verse number six, Fatsofek Yiret Acherev Bab Lotakaba Shofar. But if the if the lookout did not sound the shofar, did not sound the alarm, and and the sword comes, then the one who dies, who bavono nukach, the one who was is dying dies because of the particular sin of that person. However, vidamo miyad hatzofer edrosh. However, I will also seek. I'll make a reckoning for the blood from the scout from the tzofer. And now the text continues. Viata ben adam and you, O human, you yecheskel. Tzofer netatichu rebeit yis. You are a a lookout for the house of Israel. And when you hear from me, vizharta otam imeni. You warn them from me. So the sword is the sword of God that may come upon them. And the job of Yechesel is to warn the people, to sound the alarm. And my word is, my threat is to kill the wicked. And you don't warn them. If you don't warn them, don't tell them this. I will seek vengeance from you. You'll be guilty. If, on the other hand, if you did warn them, you did warn the wicked in verse number nine, and the wicked refused to repent, Veloshav, Hu Bavano Yamut, but your own life will be saved, you'll be spared, you're not responsible. That's the introduction to chapter 33. And now, in the continuation of chapter 33, we have a set of verses beginning in verse number 10. And all the way to verse number 20, these verses are very familiar to us because we have virtually the same set of verses in chapter 18. Now, chapter 18, as you probably remember, 
is the chapter which talks about God's justice. The idea that the children are suffering for the sins of the parents, which is commonly understood to be the case. So the message to Yechesel in chapter 18 is that's not the case. The children do not suffer for the sins of the parents, and the parents do not suffer for the sins of the children. A reckoning is made with each individual person. That's the beginning of chapter 18. And afterwards, in the second part of chapter 18, as you may recall, is a corollary principle. The first is that there's no punishment of one generation for the sin of the other. But the second point, and which is the point emphasized here in chapter 33, is that a person is judged wherever that person may be. That is to say, if a person is wicked, and the person repents of the evil, then the wickedness is forgotten. God does not recall the wickedness, and God, God only judges the person the way that person is today. Righteous today, you are judged as a righteous person, and the sins of the past are not remembered. Here, for example, in our chapter, we have precisely the same idea, and the converse is true. Someone who was righteous and performs wicked deeds that person will be judged. That person will die because I judge the person the way they are now. I don't take into account the way they once were. That's the message of chapter 18, part B. And that's the main message here, beginning in verse number 10. That's what the Tzofet, what the lookout has to tell to the people. It's possible to repent and to be spared. And that God desires repentance. That's a theme that we have in 18 and we have it again in chapter 33. That's not really new. What is interesting is that in chapter 33, after, in verse number 21, the messenger comes. Remember we were told earlier, Yechezka was told that there'll be a messenger who comes, a polite, a refugee, running from the land of Israel, running from Jerusalem, to say the city has been destroyed. And at that point, Yechezka, you can begin to talk. We spoke about that earlier. And that takes place here in chapter 33, verse number 21 and 22. And Yechezkel begins to speak. I am not silent anymore. And then next, the next part of the chapter, beginning in verse 23, the word of God comes to me, to Yechezkel, Ben Adam, Yoshevea Charavota Eila, Aladmat Yisrael Omrim Lemar, Echad Aya Avraham, Vayirash Eta Aretz, Vanachlu Rabim, Lanu Nitna Aretz Lemorasha. Yechezkel is told, the people in the land, the people remaining in the land of Israel, in the land that was destroyed by Babel, they say the following, Abraham was one person, Echad Avraham, and he possessed the land, we are many, so the land is given to us as an inheritance. What does it mean he's one and we are many? One possible reading is, understanding is, if one person possesses the land, we're so many, Certainly the land belongs to us, because we have so many, we're a multitude. Or it could mean something else. The promise was made to one person. God makes Abraham a promise in chapter 15 of Breshit. It's repeated later. I'm going to, your descendants will possess the land. We are the descendants of Abraham. One person can't possess a whole land. Abraham possesses the land symbolically. But we are the possessors of the land. It's an inheritance. It's a morasha. And the response to the people that are saying this, 
In verse number 25, say to them, Amor Aleihem, what do you think? Al Adam tochelu, v'yeichem tisu al giu reichem, v'dam tishpochu, v'yaaretz tirashu? Say to them, you eat blood, or you eat with the blood. You raise your eyes to your fetishes, you shed blood. You expect to possess the lands? That's not going to happen. So what's interesting is, why is it not going to happen? And the hint as to why it doesn't happen is actually found earlier in the chapter. Abraham was one. If you look at chapter 18, and you look at our chapter, chapter 33, it's interesting, there are two words that come together in both chapters many, many times. And the two words are tzedakah u mishpat, mishpat u tzedakah. They appear in our chapter, in verse 16, in verse 19, in verse 14. And in chapter 18, they again appear in verse 5, in verse 19, in verse 21, in verse 27. Tzedakah u mishpat, equity, fairness, justice. And that, that term tzedakah u mishpat, which appears in our chapter, appears for the first time in the Torah in conjunction with Abraham. God said to Abraham, I can't conceal from you what I plan to do to Sodom, the punishment I plan to bring upon Sodom, because I know you, Abraham, you command your household, you're a person concerned with Mishpat. that typifies your behavior. And in fact, immediately afterwards, Abraham prays for Sodom, Abraham says, perhaps there are righteous people, Sadikim, that's the tzedakah, Hashofet Kalaaret, shall the judge of the whole earth, Lo Yasem Mishpat, should not do righteousness? God invited Abraham's prayer. God invited Abraham's negotiation, prayer, request, calling to question God's justice. God invites it. I can't conceal it from you because you do tzedakah u mishpat. So the point of Echadaya Avraham, the correct response, God's response, essentially, I think, is Abraham was one. Abraham one in the sense of singular, indifferent, unique. Abraham possesses the land by virtue of tzedakah or mishpat. You're not going to possess the land you happen to be his descendants. And if we think about it more deeply, it actually corresponds to the first part of chapter 18. Because the first part of chapter 18 makes the point that the children are not condemned because of the sins of the parents, and the parents are not condemned because of the sins of the children. Every generation is judged separately from the other. So I can't claim necessarily that because someone in the past was good, that I deserve to be rewarded. The same way I can't claim, in fact, that if I were good in the past, which is the point of our chapter, beginning in verse 10, I was good for 20 years, but the last 20 years I'm no good. So don't expect to be rewarded, says God. My way is not to reward you for the past 20 years, the previous 20. My way is to judge the way you are now. If you were no good and you turned out to be good, you changed your ways, you mended your ways, then you are judged the way you are now. So the corollary of that would be the response to what the people are thinking. You people live in the land. The land is desolate. You think the land's going to be yours because we are many and Abraham was one. That is to say, it's a possession, it's an inheritance, a morashah. And the response is, that's not my way. That may be your way, says God. That's not the way of God. The way God acts with the people, the generations, and within and with individuals.